Well, markets are calmer, but the direction is still clear. The US dollar is rising, so are inflation fears and the expectation that the Fed and other central banks will start tightening, starting with tapering by the Fed and maybe a rate rise from the Bank of England before the year's out. Data today all pointed to inflation and economic growth forecasts being rewritten, including the IMF, who warned yesterday that central banks need to ensure they act sooner if inflation persists. Well, lots of them already are doing that, aren't they? Except, of course, the ECB. Who's right, I wonder? It's Wednesday, the 13th of October, 2021. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, the US dollar has climbed higher on the DXY index. It's now the highest it's been for over a year. Another 0.3% on the Japanese yen. The euro has lost 0.2%. But other than that, not much really in the way of currency movement. Uh, US stocks are pretty lacklustre as the US earnings season kicks in. The Nasdaq, the Dow and the S&P 500 all down a little bit this session. Bigger losses in Europe. The Eurostoxx 50 is off 0.4%. The FTSE 100 has lost a quarter percent. And bond yields are mixed. Ten-year treasuries down three basis points. German 10-year bunds up three basis points. In fact, if it does that a few more times, they'll actually be back in positive territory. And four basis points off 10-year gilts in the UK. Small moves in uh, in Australia and New Zealand, though. And oil has peaked for now. Brent is down 0.3%, still well over $83, though. WTI was falling, but it's reversed that now. It's it's up 0.1%. Uh, gas prices continue to rise, though. So can oil really fall that far if gas keeps on going up? Uh, Ray Atchell joins me this morning from NAB in Sydney. So where do we start, Ray? I mean, I guess let's start with equities. Pretty shaky in the United States, all because of inflation fears. Uh, Raphael Bostic from the Atlanta Fed saying overnight that inflation is broadening to more of the economy. He's one of several, isn't he, uh, now basically saying that uh, the Fed's 2% target is there and it's going to stay there, he reckons. So they should uh, just uh, push on with their tapering as quick as possible. That's right. Good morning, Phil. And uh, no, it's certainly been one of the themes overnight. And then looking at the uh, at the US curve, we've seen a quite significant flattening there with um, with the likes of two-year yields up another three basis points, while, while tens are off um, about the same amount, although we did have a good 10-year bond auction, which probably helped there. So certainly the message, I think, is that uh, you know, markets are getting more attuned to the risk that um, you know the first interest rate rise is going to come in 2022 rather than 2023. And uh, I think market prices pricing is now saying maybe a 50% chance that we'll get a, a first quarter point rate rise as early as July um, next year. And um, one next year is, is more than fully priced now. And um, and the IMF incidentally coming out saying that uh, central banks should move quickly if the risk of rising inflation expectations becomes tangible. So I guess that plays with the grain of uh, some of those Fed comments. We have had Rich Clarida, who's the Fed vice chair, sounding a bit more neutral. Um, but, um, you know, still saying that uh, the, certainly the, the conditions for, for tapering, at least, have been all but met, but um, didn't give anything away in terms of his own thinking on interest rates. But no, I think that is the broad theme. And, you know, the flip side of that, to some extent, is, you say, the US dollar in DXY terms has pushed up to above 94.50, which I think is the highest level we've seen for just over a year, 13 months. So, um, but most of that showing up in a slightly slightly weaker euro where um, the news there's not so good. The IMF downgraded its forecast for Germany last night and um, that ZEW survey that we've got showed a bigger than expected fall in uh, in the current situation. So mm. it all kind of fits together. Yeah, it does. Uh, the IMF also saying that uh, developing nations are the ones that are going to struggle the most uh, to come out of this thing. Uh, they reckon by 2024 they will uh, their output will be 9% less than it was before the pandemic. So that is quite a hit they're taking. But just back on inflation, uh, I mean, this idea that the Bank of England might raise rates next month seems to be gaining more traction.
traction, doesn't it? Well, certainly so. And uh, I think we're hearing from Mr. Cuncliffe, who will be the latest BOE um, cab off the rank this evening. So interesting to see whether he echoes the comments that we had over the weekend, obviously, from Andrew Bailey and uh, and Michael Saunders. But um, I do think it's interesting that, um, you know, the British pound is not actually benefiting. It's actually been one of the weaker currencies at the same time that the rhetoric on uh, on potential early tightening has been ramping up. And given all the, the problems that the UK economy is facing with supply chains to, uh, you know, the issues about uh, about Brexit and the Northern Ireland Protocol and et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, the idea of tightening policy because inflation is uh, is uncomfortably high, but when your economy is weakening, it's not something that the currency markets are likely to uh, to reward. So I think that's uh, that's interesting. But um, but yes, but just certainly, you know, the view that the Bank of England might be next cap off the rank as far as uh, major economy central banks are concerned is, uh, is getting uh, getting stronger isn't it yeah uh, whereas on the other side of the channel the ecb philip lane uh, seems to be the least concerned of all the central bank people i mean he's been warning that people shouldn't get too trigger happy he said the growth in wages is not so high to cause concerns uh, they seem a, a long way from from changing their policy at all well it does seem to be it does seem to be that um, <coughs> philip lane and uh, president lagarde are, are very much at the uh, the dovish end of the spectrum but the divide between hawks and doves on the ecb is as is, is, is great as i can ever ever remember and probably more so than uh, than in the u.s fed at the moment where you know by and large they're singing from from broadly the same same song sheet but uh, not so in the ecb so um you know let's see how that one plays out but um at the moment the, the view that the ecb is going to be way behind um, the Fed and other central banks in normalising policy is one that continues to keep the um, keep the euro under under some relative pressure, and we're heading down to that sort of one fifteen level, which is the lowest we've been for uh, for quite some time. So it's not just supply chains, of course, that are causing the problems and causing this inflation. It's also jobs, and this is the curious thing, isn't it? So we're seeing this this pattern emerging now. So the jolts numbers, the job openings in the United States, they were down a little for for July, but there's still ten point four million new jobs out there. And uh, we saw a similar story in the UK as well. Uh, the UK unemployment rate down from 4.6% to 4.5%, 235,000 new jobs. Uh, the claimant count has fallen as well, 51,000. But there are still 1.1 million job vacancies. So actually, when you, it's, this is the lowest number of unemployed people per decade per, uh, per job, if you see what I mean. So in other words, there's fewer people fighting for jobs now. Hence, you know, we're seeing wages go up. No, absolutely. And, and of all the various, obviously, they say that the UK labour labour market numbers and the jolts thing, the one I'd pick up is is probably the quit rate. I think that's something that Janet Yellen when at the Fed used to draw attention to. But it's, uh, you know, the number of people in work who have quit their jobs because um, there's a job with higher wages or, uh, you know, a, a, a mm. job with better conditions around the corner. And that quit rate of 2.9% is the highest on record. So that very much plays yeah. to that uh, to that to, to that theme at least of um, you know of underlying wage pressures you know even though the levels of employment um, particularly in the US are still you know four or five million below uh, pre-pandemic levels but um, you know the evidence of uh, you know of wage pressures is certainly uh, is certainly building and in those UK labour market numbers the um, you know the wage numbers are I think the um, the ONS has said that the underlying level of, uh, of wage pressures is something like four and a half to five percent something like that so, uh, so where, which means you can see where the Bank of England is coming from and the message again from the IMF is all about you know if inflation expectations are um, you know are ratcheting higher um, because of current high inflation rates and that's something that uh, that central bank officials shouldn't be ignoring. So is that it? Is it all to do with expectations? Then they think if they say hey we're going to put up interest rates, then people think okay maybe inflation. 
inflation isn't going to happen now, so therefore I'm not going to quit my job and get a better paid job somewhere else? Is that the... Well, it's possibly, but certainly the theme of curve flattening is, is consistent with that idea that central banks might be moving faster and therefore, mm. you know, whether inflation is transitory or not, um, you know, central bank tightening is going to is going to ensure that it is uh, it does turn out to be more transitory and that inflation rates will be closer to uh, to central bank targets and we at least. But, you know, I, I must admit I'm a little bit of a, a sceptic about inflation expectations. I think the best guide to inflation expectations is what happened to inflation last month. And if headline inflation does start to come down as some of these transitory influences unwinds, then um, my bet would be that inflation expectations themselves will, will probably follow to some extent. And if someone's going to pay me more to do, uh, you know, to do this, for example, uh, then, you know, I'm not going to go, well, I'm not going to do it because inflation's, uh, you know, if the offer's there, you're going to take the offer, aren't you? Not that anyone, you not, not, not anyone is offering. <laughs> <Chancellor, Phil. laughs> exactly. Uh, look, um, so the NFI, uh, NFIB, the small business survey, that was an, it's showing the same thing, wasn't it? Uh, so they were fairly optimistic. Only 5% though expected the, uh, the, the economy to improve, which is a move down from last month. But again, salaries, higher salaries are the issue. 30% think they're going to have to raise their wages. That's the highest that figure has ever been. Uh, that's on top of poor sales being a bit of a concern as well and slower growth. And 12% of owners expect sales to fall further. Uh, so even though they're reasonably optimistic, there's a lot of bad news in that survey as well. But very much a sort of a mixed picture. And I think that level of, of the survey, 99.1 down from about 100, is puts it almost midway, I think, between its sort of you know, pandemic highs and lows or pre-pandemic highs and then post-pandemic lows. So, um, but yeah, the underlying message of, uh, of labour shortages and, and firms potentially having to, to bid up wages to get people is, is shown through there as well. Yeah, it? and the German Zoo Survey uh, measuring confidence there. Business sentiment fell from 26.5 to 22.3, which is actually where it was just before the pandemic. Because this is a measure of improvement, isn't it? So, we're you know, it's improving from having been very low. It's a bit misleading to compare where it was before compared to where it is now. But well, it's always the problem with these sort of diffusion indices, isn't it? Really, mm. in terms of the relatives versus the uh, the absolutes. But as I say, certainly, uh, you know, it certainly does seem to be a more sizable drop. And again, back yeah. to the IMF, well, it was eighty four point four, eighty four point four in May. So it's fallen a hell of a long way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and just going back to the IMF numbers, Germany was one of the uh, one of the major countries that uh, that has suffered something of a downgrade in, yeah. in, in those latest uh, latest forecasts. Right. So let's look at Australia then, because uh, we had the uh, the NAB Business Survey yesterday, of course, and uh, we've got Westpac's consumer confidence numbers for Australia as well today. So uh, what was the big takeout yesterday? Well, I suppose sort of no surprise to see a big jump in confidence and concentrated on New South Wales. So um, you know, us uh, New South Welsh people have been uh, have been salivating haven't we for several weeks now at the uh, the carrot of uh, of monday's freedom day and uh, so i think that that's clearly shown through and an improvement and even in victoria where you know they're seeing a little bit of uh, light at the end of the tunnel in terms of uh, of reopening and at least the um, you know the infection rates there do look as though they've at least uh, at least stabilized and then potentially trending down and in new south wales trending down sharply so that's certainly shown up in a big jump in confidence but conditions themselves um you know suffered greatly so the conditions reading down to plus five from plus 14 mm. confidence up to plus nine up was it 19 points to plus 13 at least anyway but um, coming back to the inflation debate i mean the message is still that um price pressures are very evident three month annualized um prices at the retail level up 6.1 percent in the survey and mm. for for purchase costs of import costs up at 7.8 percent so um and uh, we obviously talk at length about the fact that 
Australia is so far behind the rest of the world in terms of the difference between their inflation target and uh, and where we actually are. But um, some of those messages are suggesting that um, you know we should start to see some lift in in inflation. Um, you know, before too long, if, if, if those readings uh, are to be believed, which of yeah. course they are. And only just coming out of lockdown as well. So, mm-hmm. you know, those effects uh, that the rest of the world's been seeing um, subsequent to that still to play out as well, I guess. And look, uh, similarly in New Zealand as well, get the ANZ Business Survey for New Zealand. Are we going to see confidence slide there now they are saying they're going to live with COVID? And what about inflation? Are they going to get more of it as well? Yeah, well, almost certainly, you know, um, you know, activity type readings are going to suffer a little bit. And uh, obviously New Zealand is, uh, mm-hmm. is, is, is now, you know, Know, deciding that uh, a zero COVID policy is untenable and they're going to be moving to living with COVID. But the implications of that are that you know, the economy is probably going to be traveling a little more slowly, but more interest probably in the in the price pressures. We had this very curious sharp fall in the, was it the QSBO survey uh, a week or so ago. So interesting to see whether that gets mimicked in the um, you know, in the ANZ one today, but um, you know, the, the risk is that, that that one from earlier one was a bit of an outlier. So a keen interest in the prices, uh, prices components of that survey. Right. And uh, China's trade data for September is due out today. Now, it, it, it's expected they're going to take a bit of a hit because they've had lockdowns and then the power shortages as well. So, I mean, you normally think, you know, if the Chinese economy is slowing, then that's bad news for Australia. But as we were talking about yesterday, you know, they if they need commodities to get by, then Australia may be able to help short term. So that could be a good thing. But, uh, well, they're still not going to buy our coal, but the rest of the world is, and so that uh, yeah. Well, if they buy, they buy route, someone some, um, exactly one way or the other, it still works out. You still need the stuff. Certainly is so. But in those trade numbers, I mean, some interest obviously because of the power shortages and uh, difficulties at ports. The risk is that you know shipments of exports, um, you know, are less than par. So you know, we're expecting to see some sort of shrinkage in the trade surplus. But um, if we do see export down in sort of annualized growth terms, I think the market will will be inclined to look through it. Certainly, the forward-looking indicators of uh, of export orders and so future demand is still incredibly high and um, you know for all the concerns besetting the Chinese economy which are weighing on growth at the moment you'd have to say the export sector is, is not part of that story at least at this stage so um, mm. I think those numbers any, any sort of weakness, relative weakness in those numbers will be looked through and US CPI today as well uh, obviously inflation is going to be shown in the, uh, rising in that the uh, the minutes of the FOMC meeting as well we, we, we kind of know tapering is on the cards now though don't we and there's enough federal speakers around reinforcing that so perhaps less interest in those uh, those minutes today well the minutes perhaps yes but cpi is, is i think is, is the uh, is the glamour stack as i like to say for the week and uh, whether or not those headline and core numbers do come down from what just over five percent for headline and four percent for core um i think markets will probably turn on that in the offshore session tonight all right well we'll leave it there for now good to talk uh, we'll catch you again very soon thanks ray Thanks, thanks if I talk very quickly, we can keep this under 15 minutes. I'm Phil Dobby for NAB. We shall catch you again tomorrow morning. See you then. Thanks for listening.